Ladies and gentlemen, um, I have an update for you. I have officially understood what the definition of a hate crime is, and that is Rian forcing me to come on this podcast that we co-created two and a half, no, two years ago, and talk about the Barcelona-Bayern game. Um, of course, second time that Barcelona have lost the Bayern um, in the last year and I'll just say 13 months, but you know, that's a hate crime. Just, I just wanted to, I just wanted to let our listeners know I've, I figured out what it is. Thank you, Rian. Thank you. <laughs> uh, wow. So how was your week? Going? <laughs> <laughs> it's been good. <laughs> um, yeah, week, week has been very busy, like work-wise, like everything in life coming up has just been super busy. Um, trying to get ready for my birthday too. It's just been ridiculously like not difficult, just like time consuming <laughs> where I'm like, I wish someone else could just take over this and I don't have to deal with this, but all in all, I mean, I'm blessed. I can't, I cannot at all complain. Um, so the, the Barca Byron game was just like a slap in the face. Like it wasn't, it wasn't great, but it wasn't, it wasn't terrible. So <laughs> yeah, it didn't really it didn't really have such an adverse effect on my mental health. That's what I'm trying to say. As much as I expected. Okay, okay. well that's that's good. I mean, we'll we'll talk a bit more about it as we, as we roll off. <laughs> yeah, my my tone <laughs> might change in about like 6 minutes. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it might. But <laughs> before we jump in there, Elias, um starting with the games from Tuesday, the big shock result was Manchester United going down to young boys in Swiss team. We them uh, boys. <laughs> go down 2-1 after going down to 10 men. Uh, Aaron Juan Basaka straight red that I think uh. is I think it's fair, honestly. I mean, I, I know real time. Real time, it looks honestly like it's not that bad. Um, yeah. So I, I can... I can at least sympathize with that, but I mean, you look at the replay and it's, if the pure definition of the of red cards are, you know, endangering an opponent and, or being like out of, not in control of your challenge, like it was a textbook. Like he, he, he he's stretching yeah. for the ball and, you know, I, I don't think he's trying to leave one in on necessarily leave. No, one in, no, it definitely wasn't but intentional. But uh, but it is dangerous, and he's and he's not in control of his tackle. So it, it's one of those that it feels like a lot of times, especially in the Champions League, that's going to be called more than probably in domestic leagues. I think I think he was just super unlucky with the timing. Like it, I, I kind yeah, of agree. Yeah. No, it I agree it is that. a red card, and it's also looked unbelievably painful. Yeah, like I forget I forget <laughs> yeah. who he actually made the tackle on, but it was. Oh, like you could see his his ankle or his leg was just like profusely bleeding afterwards. So it, it, yeah. it yeah, it was definitely not intentional. It was extremely unfortunate, but I think as letter of the law goes, yeah. Yeah. Hard. And and you wouldn't say, honestly, I mean Ronaldo gets gets the goal in 13th minute. Um 
awesome pass from Bruno Fernandes. Wonderful. Like, like, okay, I, I this is where this is the only good thing I'll say about Bruno Fernandes in this podcast is that he genuinely surprised me with his passing vision. Like I, I didn't know that level of his game almost the, existed. The foot no, the funny thing with him is that he tries stuff like that a lot. Like the, the I saw the goal, I was like, okay, I'm actually not surprised that he could do that because he yeah. tries that type those he tries those killer passes like a lot like i mean if if we were people that cared well i do care about efficiency so like <laughs> i mean if, if 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 united's playing style cared at all about the efficiency of passes um they might say we need a whole other podcast to discuss yeah they they might say that you know he tries like 20 of those types of passes a game and maybe hits one of them yeah maybe yeah so um so no hats off to him like it's it's great it's a great pass and then and you know ronaldo puts another one in between the legs of the keeper and just squeezes um into the goal but outside of that, you know, United didn't create much. Right? Even even no. uh, eleven v eleven, they didn't really create much, and it's a, it's all the same issues. I feel like right. They started Van de Beek in this game, um, which I thought like was actually was, a good decision when I saw the well, lineup. I I like seeing him get a chance to play. Period. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. I just, <laughs> it's like a blessing. Yeah, yeah, that he's even there. But that the same still the same issue. There were, I think he was playing mostly next to Fred. And again, neither of those players are holding midfielders. And so, I mean, th- this is just an issue that's going to be recurring for Manchester yeah. United throughout the entire season. And it's just how much can they win in spite of that? How much can they mitigate those deficiencies that are almost totally self-inflicted? <laughs> so, you know, it, the, the thing that's disappointing from this game is that you know they did they didn't create anything after going down a man um and no one's expecting you to win a game necessarily but even put some sort of pressure even on the counter against young boys they they didn't they ended the game with two shots so right um or two sorry two shots on target i should say five five shots uh overall but it, it just wasn't enough and then unlucky for jesse lingard not unlucky i mean it's just it's a bad pass it's just a bad, a bad pass, pass. Yeah, yeah yeah um but and a good finish by jordan sibachu aka p fuck aka theosin <laughs> um the u.s international uh pretty much the backup striker at this point uh do you want to explain those references or no <laughs> oh, yeah, so, so, his, so his name is jordan sibachu right i believe uh pfock is his mother's maiden name and theosin yeah. i think is his is either his middle name or jordan jordan is his middle name one one of the two but it's a good finish from him honestly um one one time finish and then the atmosphere after he scores too like I, that's like those are like the scenes that we missed from having no fans right? yeah yeah it really is like there is something really really special about just seeing everybody absolutely lose it like in especially in like the ninety fourth minute again or ninety fifth minute, like it was, there was something really romantic about it in a lot of ways. So I was very happy for them. Obviously, I don't think this necessarily puts United in like a bad spot. Like I still think they're fine. <laughs> I don't know if maybe 
uh, is first place now in question for that? Like maybe, but still like, yeah, I, I'm not necessarily convinced because again, um, the Atalanta Villarreal draw, I think helps them a lot. <laughs> like if, if one of those two teams had one out, then I think we're having maybe a slightly different discussion. Yeah, definitely. And look, the, those are still going to be two tough matches for United. To oh, play yeah. Now. Oh, yeah. Because um, if they're still going with like the same format of how they do the matches uh, or how they schedule the match days, at least like they're going to have to play one of those two teams two match days in a row. Yeah. So, um, it's it's not made it easy for themselves because now they probably they have to win at home to probably have to win at home um, against both of those teams to right get first place at least to at least get first place um i we'll see we'll see how how much danger they're actually in in terms of like getting out of the group because villarreal <laughs> as we know draws a lot of games so <laughs> it's their specialty as we saw in the Europa yeah. league final last season <laughs> yep <laughs> well and if there's one... so many of their games yeah i was just gonna say like if, if what is one thing maybe that you change from this united team this united performance before we move on I mean, I, I, you could I, think maybe two or three at least. Yeah, but. yeah. I mean, again, I think it's just same issues like structurally, uh, and for whatever reason, they're 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 very up and down defensively now. Yeah, um, and I think that the where Varane has been so important to them so far is that he plugs a lot of holes like he it, he's not necessarily like he's not necessarily like um commanding the back line keeping them all in the right places and stuff it's a lot of putting out fires that he's that that he's right. been very good at so far and and that's kind of one of his strengths too so i i think there's a lot of work to be done um them and they just need a bit more of I feel like they need a bit more of a structure and that I don't think is how Ole Gunnar Solskjaer coaches this team so well I mean there's again an argument I'll go back to from last season in that he probably shouldn't be coaching the team in general still but it is the situation that they have and unfortunately if that's what they want to stick with that's what they should get used to hey i'm in no position to talk quite frankly but it's still my opinion on united at the very least and i think that's about as good a segue as, <laughs> as possible. i didn't even i didn't even think about it that way yeah all right no do it do it i'm ready as, as we go into the barcelona hosting bayern munich at home um Elias, a 3-0 loss to Byron where, honestly, it was kind of sad. <laughs> like, was, like yeah. in the in the whatever 10 minutes leading up to Mueller's goal, when Byron had, like, settled into the game and it was like, oh, okay, yeah, these spaces are just going to be there the entire <laughs> game. Like, so, um, I don't know. So, I've, seen, I've seen a couple of people joke or even or even suggest that in a weird way, like the first half performance in the eight two loss was actually better than in this yeah. game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because... I, I had legitimately the same thought. Yeah. 
so so like I don't know, I don't know, explain to me like i i know that we know they're missing Lionel messi like, that's easy to just say oh okay, <laughs> you well, think that's the reason <laughs> that's the reason why everything is like this yeah, right but yeah. um the, it's it was kind of sad honestly it was kind of sad to see them so overpowered by Bayern Munich no no one thought that no one thinks that they're as good as Bayern right now or even last season whatever right. but to look that far off is what I feel like surprised me the most yeah I listen I've I've been a supporter of the club for a long time now and I feel as though I can confidently say I know kind of the ins and outs of what's been going on over the last seven years um, in their slow downfall, but this didn't surprise me in the slightest. Um, it, it kind of felt like you were watching, you know how that, that argument that people have about like, what would like Brazil's 2000 world cup team look or 2002, whatever it was a world cup team look against like France's world cup team in in 2018. Like how would a modern team play against your old super stylish, like still very, very legendary team. I think you kind of saw that. Like that was, I think a very good euphemism for what was going on in that game. It felt like, I mean, quite literally boys against men. It felt like you were watching a team in Bayern Munich who were very much a modern epiphany of what football has become, right? Very much focused on athleticism, very much focused on strength, very much focused on speed over anything else. Obviously, the tactical side of things, you know, has its its qualities. Otherwise, you wouldn't be playing for Bayern Munich. But when you contrast that to the Barcelona side of a, a front two, I guess because again, Barcelona did go into this game with a three-five-two formation. It it was night and day. Like you can go position by position and explain how Bayern Munich had maybe a better player in almost every but maybe one position, which I can think of maybe being Pedri or Frankie De Jong. Maybe. Yeah. Um it it was it was genuinely just sad to watch. It was like you, you knew what was coming, and yet the, I think the worst part of that was the acceptance that it was coming. Yeah. And there's nothing that Barcelona fans can do. There's nothing that the team itself on the field could do, granted with injuries and everything like that. There is quite literally nothing that could have changed that situation other than Ronald Coleman still being the coach, which even if someone – I'm just going to throw out a name – Let's say Antonio Conte came tomorrow. I don't even think he could get nearly enough out of this team as he would want. So it's just a sad situation. It I could talk about tactics all day with this. I mean, the one, but you don't need to. Like you, no, you, you don't need it, to. No. Like, sometimes it is as simple as Bayern have a better player in the. Yeah, I agree with you. Maybe nine to ten of those positions. They, yeah. they just have more talent in those areas. And that is what feels like disappointing and and sad from a Barcelona point of view, especially from the teams, the Barcelona teams that we've watched growing up to yeah. where you never felt like that could be possible. Like another team having most of their most of the positions on the field 
more talent than Barcelona. Like that, that is what feels like that what feels like a disconnect, like at least like culturally yeah. like a disconnect. Yeah. Um, so so that's what it's what's disappointing, I feel like, the most from this current state of Barcelona. Um it's it the cumin part, I mean. <laughs> Look, there's uh, there's a lot of criticism that's going to fall on him. I mean, for, especially from an interview that he very recently gave, for those who do not know, where he said, and I quote, because of me, the club is still successful. Um, that is not going over well right now. I can. Well, I mean, hey, <laughs> he, he did win a trophy for, and uh, that's that's the best moment in his managerial career. So no, for sure, that, for sure. <laughs> for him, he thinks that's success. He, he, <laughs> <laughs> Damn, he got I, run out of Everton. Dude, so like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have I have hit a new low in the sense that I long for the days of Ernesto Valverde. Um, yeah. That's yeah. that's the new low I've hit because um, <laughs> at least he could he knew how to set up this team structurally to win. It may not have been pretty and people may not have liked it, but man, he at least he at least did that. And just to lastly put a bow on this and we can move on to our break. This is the first time in Champions League history that a team has failed to register a shot on target in an entire game history, not Barcelona history, not group stage history in the entirety since statistics in the Champions League have been kept. Um, just just to go to show you how far this team has fallen. But we'll be down, back. We'll be down back. Down tremendously. Yeah. yeah down, down so unbelievably bad. But <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we'll take a quick break. Um, I'm going to cry a little bit, and then we'll come back and talk a little bit about a really, really thrilling Liverpool and AC Milan, I, I guess, remontada in some ways but also a very nostalgic game and uh manchester city showing that um if you score more goals than the other team you win <laughs> so we'll that's be all that matters yeah. <laughs> all right ladies and gentlemen let's talk about probably the fixture with the arguably some of the best history in the champions league, but like the smallest possible sample size that you could take to, to make that claim <laughs> Liverpool against AC Milan in the group stage, not throwing it back to 2005. Well, in some ways the result did, but of course, Liverpool coming out on top three, two after being down two one in late in the first half, three goals in five minutes at the end of the first half. Thrilling to say the word um, goals galore it doesn't really describe this one because we have another game that shockingly scored a lot more yeah. goals, <laughs> but what did you make of Liverpool's performance? And then I have some commentary on AC Milan that some former Arsenal fans may not like. <laughs> um, overall, I mean, Liverpool kind of, that first half is weird that that AC Milan ended up being 2-1 up. Because they didn't have, Milan didn't have a shot until the 30th minute and then scored on their next two shots in the, in the half that came at the, I think it was the 40th and 43rd minutes. Like, Liverpool should have been way ahead in that first half, 
really. And, and credit to Milan because the two goals that they scored were very well worked. Very, very well worked goals. A lot of credit to uh, Rebic, who has been really good for Milan to start the season. He had a really nice assist in this game and, and a really nice assist to uh, Ibrahimovic over the weekend as well. And that's, he's basically playing like a false nine today. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he did, he did well, but I, I, game was fantastic in the sense of just something about Anfield during Champions League night is just like different dude energy. put ptsd warnings on stuff like okay, that yeah when you talk about it thank you <laughs> yeah my bad my bad um <laughs> it, it, it's just something about it something about it is so like magical and and the crowd always gets into it and even the away players sometimes feed off of it well and yeah i felt like milan did feed off of it um especially to to end the half but halftime comes and second half was a lot like the first half uh, where Liverpool just kind of battering them and they end up getting uh, the goal from Salah. Um, I think it was Mike, Mike Magnan. I cannot, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, the French last name, the French goalkeeper um, who came Mike over Nyan. from, yeah, he came over from Lille yeah. in the summer. Um, credit for him to him on that penalty save against Salah in the first half. Um, but Salah was able to get his goal early in the second and Liverpool kind of just kept rolling on and really, really, really nice finish from Jordan Henderson. Oh, like, Very well hit. Sweet, <laughs> like the half volley and hit it into the ground and perfect and had like a little swerve on it that went straight yeah. into the um, bottom left corner. Pretty much impossible for Manyan to, to uh, save. And overall, Liverpool absolutely worth it for for the uh score line um worthy winners probably should have had that game wrapped up sooner but overall like you were saying they, their games are so weird against Milan in the Champions League they, I think they've only really played them like three times um yeah so yeah they, they're all very weird games but <laughs> a lot of fun and this was no different what did you make of um friend of the pod Tamori after his hmm. his move to Milan, what'd you make of that uh, that own goal to start a the first half? Own, a tough own goal. I'm not gonna blame him for <laughs> it. Um, he he had to defend a lot in this game, and I'll give him give him credit for a couple times he came up with some key blocks. True, but uh, it, it was it was a tough night for all of the AC Milan defenders because it was wave after wave. I don't think their midfield was doing them any any favors in terms of um, any sort of cover <laughs> or trying to, to like shade the, the back four, help them out in any sense. They were getting played through so easily. So yeah, um, not, not too, not too much that he could do about that, that own goal, but it was a tough night for, for Milan defensively. Fully agreed. Fully agreed. I think honestly, and this is with the commentary that I had on Milan. I felt like when Olivier Giroud came on, this is why I say Arsenal fans may not like this. Olivier Giroud came on and I feel like the game really slowed for them. Like instead of <laughs> Olivier Giroud is really basically there for set pieces. Like, let's be honest. He is there for one very explosive and, and hold up play and, and, and hold he's, up there, play. he's there to slow the game down. Honestly. He, is the, he is there <laughs> to slow the game down, but that's not what Milan needed when they were in the middle of a draw chasing 
potentially a win at Anfield. I don't, I don't, at least that's my opinion. I don't think that that's what they should have been chasing for. I think that in all honesty, I would probably argue, how do you, I, I think it's Liao. That, yeah, I think that's like, how you say it. I thought, yeah. I thought he was one of Milan's better players on the field. Yeah. And to take him off for Giroud, I think was probably the turning point in this game. It's it's a weird one because his link up play I thought was really important to them in exactly, the first half, especially on those two goals. Yeah, he's a nice player. I I caught a couple um, of Portugal's like Euro U twenty games when they were on the like, ESPN during the summer, and he stuck. He really stuck out to me in their, in their games. He's really tidy players and seems like a guy who's gonna play very well as the season goes on as long as Ibrahimovic comes back and stays healthy he had a he has like an Achilles issue I don't know how severe it is but he he seems like a player for the future for them and and seems like a really really nice player so for sure for sure best of luck to him and and hopefully we get to see more fun Milan games and um the rest of the Champions League too I think we probably will so with that, why don't we move on and talk about another Manchester-based team? Um, I don't even know where to start with this one. I did not expect this scoreline in any way. Um, I probably predicted something closer to like 3-1 in favor of City. Uh, in fact, there I guess at the end of the day, we doubled that. <laughs> More than doubled that. So... Yeah, yeah I don't, I honestly, I, it's, it's, I don't even know where to start. Nine, nine, nine goal thriller where Leipzig end up scoring all three of their shots on target. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And, and it's a hat trick from Nkunku as well. Um, this city team's interesting, really interesting, because I, I think this game, it, it's it's giving some evidence into what I felt would be Jack Grealish's biggest contribution to this city team, which would, which I was thinking would be in the champions league more than in the Premier league, because I, I mean, you know, they won the league last season I, I, and he's got to fit in more to the system. Right. But you can see his impact more in these champions league games where there's just a bit more space and the ball carrying monster that he is of just being able to get everyone forward, draw in defenders, which creates space for other players. You saw it time and time again in this game against um, against Leipzig. And I think that's where his value is going to be. He ends up getting a goal in the second half too, a, a nice curling effort from him. And it'll be interesting to see how he builds on his skill set this season because I feel like the one thing missing from him is it is shooting a bit more yeah. and and getting more goals. And I, I hate just saying I hate saying that oh he just needs to add goals to his game. It's, 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 <laughs> it's just yeah because you snap it's your so, finger yeah yeah. <laughs> but but I think honestly from his case he just he just needs to shoot more. I I feel yeah. like um and look for his shot a bit more. We know that he can do the assisting and and create for other players as he did a lot for Aston Villa, but. I think the city team is going to need him to contribute more to shot taking and creating shots for himself, because that's ultimately where they've kind of tripped up the last, I mean, in in every one of these years, really um, with 
with Pep Guardiola. I mean, maybe outside of like the Tottenham getting knocked out by Tottenham a few years ago, or that was just kind of a <laughs> Spain weird... without the S. Yeah, yeah, that was just like kind of a weird, crazy game that you know, I, on another day they win that. But at least in the last couple of seasons, it's just felt like they missed a bit of ingenuity in the final third and someone um who can kind of take players on and create space for others not by passing the ball but by actually keeping it and um and drawing defenders so that's something to keep our eyes on for the rest of the champions league for man city's campaign at least how does Grealish kind of take them to another level in the champions league yeah yeah, I, I think that's probably a really interesting narrative. At the same time, I don't know what Jack Grealish's perfect position at City is. Like, I just like we have such a small sample size, and I feel like he was a little bit more not isolated, but more displaced on the left hand side throughout this game. And I think historically we've seen him more centrally for for Villa, and I don't know if that necessarily changes the way the city team plays especially down the flanks because i feel like having someone like ferran torres on that left hand side would have served a similar purpose and allowed jack Grealish at least some space interior on the interior but maybe i'm just messing with like darts on a dartboard in my like tactical mm-hmm. head because it worked unbelievably well today yeah so. and, and i think that he is more comfortable coming in from the left Definitely. Um, I think he's more comfortable there and, and you can see where he picks it up and he creates issues for the defender because he truly can go either way. Like he can, yeah. he, he has, he is very much, okay. he's very comfortable on his left foot, even though he's right footed, he's very comfortable go, going to the byline and then just cutting the ball inside, um, which is a very classic city goal where he gets to the byline <laughs> and cut it in from the channel and it's just a tap in for someone else uh and and he can provide that and it, 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 this was i think the first game that he and de bruyne started at, started at the same time and so that was an interesting one where de bruyne was playing more like on the right side of central midfield um and Grealish on the left of like left wing i should say um that's scary to, yeah. to defend yeah. one on each side like those terrifying like early crosses that come from De Bruyne that just <laughs> yeah, are, yeah. so much Outside of the boot, on it the yeah, yeah. It, it, it's only a matter of time before we see him hit one of those to Grealish at the back post right yeah um what I'm very interested to see is do we see a lineup that includes Grealish De Bruyne Ferran Torres and Phil Foden at the same time on the field i feel like they'd um, all be stepping on each other's toes hey <laughs> it, it, it that is what'll be interesting because it feels like Foden, honest Foden and grealish feel like a bit of more like they could be stepping on each other's toes because right. Foden similarly likes to come in from that left side um and make those runs like in the channels on the left side so it, it'll be really it'll be difficult to integrate them all at once but if there's anyone that can do it it's probably Pep Guardiola so yeah yeah that's fair well City showing no signs of wear and tear basically so they will be just fine in this group so far because PSG did draw with Club Bruges today the first time we saw Messi, Neymar and Mbappe start 
Mbappe going off injured, the rest of the team combining for something like 0.67 XG throughout the game or something, something like ridiculously low. Um, so not a great outing for the world's most feared Trident. I'll leave it there and uh, we'll move on, Rian, away from the Champions League to wrap up with one interesting question that Rian posed to me before the podcast about a team in Spain. Yeah, I mean, we, we saw this past weekend um, some some fun results. I mean, highlighting especially the Real Madrid Celta Vigo game, the first game in the in the newly renovated Bernabeu, right? Um, first one in five hundred something days. Yeah, we we see the I don't even know the, the fall, the season of Vinny continues pretty much. Another goal <laughs> we got for. Um, but more, but even more wholesome, um, Eduardo Camavinga coming on and scoring in his first Real Madrid appearance. And he had an assist today for, uh, Rodrigo's goal. Um, that, that one, that won their Champions League game against Inter. But what has stuck out to me, Ellis, is the team that sits in first right now in Spain, which is Athletic Club Bilbao. And... I just want to know now, Elise, how excited should we be getting for Bilbao's start to the season? I'm not necessarily saying should we expect them to win the league. Um, sorry, they don't sit on the top. Sorry, they sit close to the top. Eight points in their first four games. Yep. Just behind, two points behind um, Real Madrid. But they've started the season well, no losses a couple wins in their last two games and looking at say this word, I don't say this word lightly, but like frisky, they're looking frisky <laughs> in the league. And, and, and I'm wondering, you know, how, how excited should we be getting about um, athletic? Like they were kind of disappointing last season after yeah. starting yeah. the season. Well, right. Um, and just kind of fell off. So, so I don't know. What what are your thoughts on on Bilbao so far? Yeah, I mean, you, you touched briefly on Real Madrid, which I'll say Camavinga um, absolutely showing his talent um, in a very short amount of time, which is incredible. Vinicius again, he's really hitting his stride. Something to be wary about if you are uh, a team in La Liga playing as a right back. <laughs> Just so you know, it's not something I would want to be doing right now. About Athletic Bilbao. A team coached by Marcelino, right, coming in after a very, very, I guess, tumultuous ride for Bilbao um, towards the beginning of last season and eventually bringing in Marcelino to, I guess, sort of fix that in some ways. And Marcelino spent a lot of his time, you have to understand, at Valencia. And when he left Valencia, I think one of the reasons why the team and the fans were not his biggest proponent or I guess (laughs) didn't really hold him to that high of a standard is because of the way that they played and they were very much a counter-attacking team very much sit back and defend at times and again granted when you have someone like Inyaki Williams leading your front line might be okay to be a little counter-attacking counter-attacking and conservative now that style of play is translated over to Bilbao in the first four games of the season like Ryan mentioned They have only conceded one goal. They have scored four times, two draws, and two wins. 
probably their most notable game against Barcelona in which they drew 1-1, but arguably we're probably the better side racking up 1.4 XG to Barcelona's 1.1. But one thing to note about your question, will Bilbao actually go on to be potentially a sleeper top six pick? I look back at Marcelino's record at Valencia. I look at how he did at Bilbao last season. And I'd look at the lack of major additions that they have made to the squad and the fact that everyone is a year older outside of Inyaki Willie Williams, who I think it matured a lot over the course of the last six months. I don't see how they get that much better than this. I think that they have truly started to look at hitting their peak. And if you look at their schedule between now and the end of October, they still have to play, I think, all of the top teams in Spain. And additionally, they also have to pay, play Villarreal and Real Sociedad in between. So not great. Oh, and they also play Valencia. I forgot. So homecoming from Marcelino. Um, another so surprise. Another, another surprise. There you go. Agreed. Another surprise. And I think we, t- we said this like in the beginning of the season when we we're doing our season previews, but this is going to be the most open La Liga race in a while. It just is because the level, the playing field is so level now. So to answer your question, I'm, I'm not bullish on Bilbao yet, yet. If they can get through October and they're still within striking distance of top six, then we'll have a different conversation. But for now, the way that Marcelino plays, maybe it's just me being biased and not being a big fan of that, but don't see it. Uh, well, and at least we've got a, a wonderful, like brotherly connection with the Williams. Yeah, the there, Williams right? brothers. Yeah, no, they're they're unbelievably talented. Um, I wonder if any day, honestly, Inyaki Williams will leave Bilbao, but I don't think so. But we'll see. At this point, yeah, if it, it would it would be almost a bit more surprising that if he did. Oh, for sure, for sure. Well. With that, Rian, I think that wraps up everything from the Champions League that we want to talk about. I mean, at a high level. The rest of the teams weren't as uh, as impressive to talk about. If your team was not discussed during this podcast, you can send us a tweet. We'll respond accordingly. But I guess important to note, Chelsea did win. Juventus did win. Dortmund did win. Sevilla drew. Drew, drew to Leipzig. <laughs> they like, sorry, drew, drew to Leipzig. Salzburg. Drew to Salzburg. Drew, yes, yes. Drew Salzburg. <laughs> um, Leipzig, of course, getting thrashed by City, as we talked about. Those were kind of the major things, major talking points. So... With that, ladies and gentlemen, we'll leave you with a parting thought. Stay safe, stay healthy. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, guys.